0: सारा भर्यों ने
1: This is Anna for Indigo Radio, and that song that you were just listening to is one of the most widely played songs in Nepal. And today's show is all on Nepal. Earth Day was yesterday, April 22nd, which is a call to action for environmental protection. To commemorate Earth Day, we spend the hour on Nepal. Nepal is considered the fourth most vulnerable country in terms of climate-related disasters. Today, we speak to two graduate students from Nepal, Perkiti and Chimi, who are both working toward their master's degree in the International Development, Community, and Environment Department at Clark University, where I've been teaching for the past year. Prakiti and Chimi speak with us about climate, health, gender, and youth activism in Nepal and share their hopes for our futures. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Chimi and Prakiti, thank you for being with Indigo Radio, and can we start by having you introduce yourselves? And it's been so great getting to know you here at Clark University, and I'm excited that you're on the show. So if you want to tell us uh, what program you're in, what you're studying, and maybe how long you've been at Clark? Thank you, Professor Annas. Hi,
2: everyone. I'm Prakriti. Uh, I'm from Nepal and I've been here in Clark University since 2021, spring of 2021. So this is my third semester. It's my second year at Clark. So uh, I am a nurse in Nepal. I'm a registered nurse in Nepal. I did my bachelor's of science in nursing degree from Nepal. And uh, I was always interested in preventive field of medicine than the curative one. So that is why I chose to study International Development Studies here at Clark University. So currently I'm pursuing my master's degree in international development studies with concentration in health and equity at Clark.
3: Okay, great. Shimi? Yeah, uh, thank you, Professor Anna, for this invitation. My name is Shimi Sherpa. I'm also from Nepal and I am currently pursuing my master's in environmental science and policy. And I am an environmentalist and a climate advocate, uh, which uh, drew me to uh, pursue my master's here at Clark. And I'm looking forward to the conversation.
1: Thank you. So today we're going to be talking about climate and also health and how these show up in Nepal and what the issues are right now. First, though, for our listeners, if you could situate Nepal for us. I think that many people think of Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. That might be their first thought. <laughs> so if you could kind of situate it and then go a little bit into what the political and social landscape is. Uh,
3: so Nepal is one of the South Asian countries uh, lying, which lies between India, uh, two big countries, India and China. Uh, it is a landlocked country, so there are no any sea or ocean and talking about the geographical uh, structure of the country the north part of the country it's all mountains and then there's the middle part of the country which is uh, hilly region and then the southern part of the country it's all plains so Nepal is basically very diverse geographically that also uh, is one of the beautiful uh, component of the country Mm. uh, which attracts a lot of tourists and um, also the diversity within the country and socially also there is a lot of diversity within the country there are a lot of caste and cultures which have their own language which have their own um, uh, historical background and uh, socially that uh, it's there Probably how many languages are there
2: yeah there are around, i think more than 46 languages like like uh, people belonging from different areas speak different language. Even though our native language is Nepali, people living in different areas speak their language according to their culture and tradition because our country, the ancient king, I think it was Pratap Mala, right? He divided the all the caste systems and different types of systems. So there are 46 different caste and different cultures. So they speak different languages according to their culture. But yeah, talking about Nepal, whenever I talk to people here in the States, whenever I say that I'm from Nepal, they either say that, oh, Mount Everest, or they say the weird flag. (laughs) So, I mean, our flag (laughs) is two triangles. So everybody has square or rectangle, but our flag is different. So, okay. yeah, when people talk about Nepal, they talk about Mount Everest, so we belong to a country from Mount Everest and not to mention Buddha, Gautam Buddha, the birth of Gautam Buddha. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And what? And where are you both from within the country? Chimi mentioned there are three different
2: reasons, Hilly, Himalayan, and Tarai, which is the plains. I belong to the Hilly region of Nepal, the most uh, eastern
3: region of Nepal. Okay. And I am originally, my ancestral home is in Kumjung, which is the Everest region of Nepal. It lies in the eastern part, but I was born and raised in Kathmandu City. So I have two homes and which are equally uh, close to me.
1: One question I had was actually about the caste, because I think I was reading something about how it said that I might be saying this wrong so you both can correct me, that officially caste is not recognized or it's outlawed, is not legal, but is it? But it's still very much a part of Nepali life, is that correct or no? The caste system? It's still prevalent,
2: uh, the caste systems. In the ancient times, the king divided the caste systems into a work category. That's what I know about it, according to my parents. Like. Uh, somebody who works with gold, they're called. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they called? Su- sunars or Kamis? yeah. Yeah, when uh, if they work those kind of systems, so yeah, it's still prevalent. Like even in the, it's so ingrained. in I people. think that's what I was reading. Yeah, yeah, it's so ingrained in people. Even though we we still see that even in our houses or other houses, even mm-hmm. what I see is like even the people are so educated. It's So ingrained, the caste system is so ingrained in people that like they just can't take it out so easily. Like, there is one caste system, so Kami and Damai, they are the lowest, that's according to the system. But now they have so many rights, like there are Janazati systems and everything. So, there are so many rights and advocates for them. They're fighting for their rights. In the ancient time, they used to not even drink water touched by those caste systems, and they don't even go to other other's houses with like who are in the higher caste system so it's still there
1: okay great is there anything else you want to say about nepal before we go to climate so we
2: just reached 2080 so it's new year <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah okay 2080 bs right yeah,
1: Brik- yeah.
3: Brik- what Sambhat. does that mean or tell Brik- me Brik- Brik- what that means um, Brik- 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 we just entered 2080 um Brik- Brik- sambat which is yes. like bs okay so in english calendar it's 80 so in nepali it's bs so we have our own calendar and we have our own like the dates and everything just like chinese new year or like ah, yeah, so okay. nepal has its own calendar so we in nepal we follow both both like english and nepali calendar yeah so over there it's 2080
1: 2080
2: yeah, 80 really. years. Yes. <laughs> in us <laughs> <Just 'cause laughs> it's 2023 just in my mind <laughs> so it's 2080 there okay got it got it
1: all right so we
3: say like happy new year 2080 in nepali so we have okay. our own like the number right like so yeah that's okay. how we wish
1: well let's move a little bit to climate. so one of the things that I you had sent me this Jimmy and I had no idea is that climate uh, that Nepal is one of the most vulnerable countries in terms of climate catastrophe, climate change, climate emergency, whatever, however we want to call it. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about why that is and the changes that have occurred.
3: Yeah, sure. Uh, Like I mentioned before, like Nepal is geographically very diverse and it has a lot of natural resources. Uh, So that's the main reason why Nepal is um, ranked the fourth most vulnerable in terms of climate change. By 2050 or 2080, you can imagine like what the Tarai part, the plains of the country will be facing because the north of the country is all mountains and because of the increasing temperature the mountains are melting and because of the melting mountains uh, small lakes are being formed in the villages so there's a very high uh, probability that those villages will be swept away because of the glacial lake outburst flooding and then another is like uh, impact on agriculture because again like climate change is related to change in temperature and precipitation or simply let's say rainfall so that would definitely have impact on the food production system uh, which is also related to the public health and there are a lot of like increasing diseases and pests which affects humans directly because of the increasing because of the warmer temperature Uh, that's there and another is Another thing which makes uh, the country even more vulnerable is the existing social inequalities that exist, like the patriarchal system and women are still like, inbound, uh, most of the women are still inbound in their houses, uh, especially in rural areas, like they have to go and fetch the water or the forest products. Uh, in that way, uh, climate change impacts the gender aspect as well and also the economy aspect is um, impacted because tourism is very much prevalent in Nepal and it uh, accounts to uh, a certain percentage of the country's GDP so because of change in climate uh, the tourists we have like less number of tourists every year because the trekking routes are affected because of the climate induced floods or landslides and there has also also been like news of how this um, several tourists got displaced or let's say like directly affected because of this natural disasters. So these are some of the uh, things that um, the country is facing in terms of climate change. And also climate change also affects the already existing environmental issues, which is like air pollution, there's water pollution, there's waste management. So climate change like exaggerates these Uh, existing social, economic, uh, and and geographical uh, aspects of the country.
1: One of the things I want to touch on, because you just brought it up, and it ties all to this, is the tourism piece. And I know you had brought that up, Prakiti, when we watched that film, Life in Debt, which is about Jamaica, and a a piece of that movie Mm -hmm. is about the effects of tourism. And so I'm thinking about what you just said to me of, Could you talk a little bit about the tourism and also, or just to expand on that? Because I'm also thinking about how tourism, there's this contradiction of we need it for the economy, right? But the tourism also has devastating effects to the Mm -hmm. environment. And so could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So talking
2: about tourism, um, I'll start with how Chimi started with tourism adds to our GDP. 2020 was a very devastating year to us because 2020 was the tourism year in Nepal. And because of COVID, we had no tourists. <laughs> so uh, the whole country was ready for the tourism year. There were statues, like remember the statues of the what is Yeti, that? Yeti. Yeah. Yeah, everywhere around the country, every places, but there were no tourists. So yeah, when tourists come to Nepal, they cannot directly go to the mountains or anywhere. They want to travel. Like every place has uh, certain like uh, offices or spots where they have to pay a certain amount of money to enter. Uh, enter in like, when, even when they go to Everest, they have to pay and register their names and everything before they actually start their trek. So yeah, when tourists come, And visit. There are so many devastating effects in terms of uh, pollution, because um, in Everest, in news we can see that like, you know, when they eat, they throw all the trash around. Like they're they are good tourists too. Like they clean the trash and like when they come with a lot of groups, we've seen tourists collecting trash and bringing down. Because there's no means of transportation when we go to trek in the Everest, mainly in the Everest, because Everest has huge number of tourists every year, comparing to other mountains like Annapurna and everywhere. So, yeah, and they also they not only aid to the economy, but also to the pollution and other kind of devastating effects in the environment.
1: Yeah, I I think it's a question that we are going to have to continue to grapple with around tourism and the environment and because we want to see these beautiful places mm-hmm. and we learn so much from each other and travel right but also even the the air travel of getting to places yeah it is another thing and i just think it's going to be something that we're going to have to continue to talk about and figure out and then how people also should act when they go and respect the place and so i, I just think that's an important piece yeah.
2: Reminds me of this thing in the morning. I read this post in the morning where it was said that Kathmandu, city which is the capital city of Nepal, is declared as one of the most polluted city in the world. So last year I remember reading this about Delhi in India. But today is Kathmandu. So yeah, I mean climate change is Yeah, Taking over everything.
1: And is Nepal a primarily agricultural mm-hmm. Okay. So Chimmy, you talked about the food production and the effects on that. Can you talk a little bit more about the impact that it's having on these old agricultural sectors, to the people and to to the land? And,
3: yes, and sure, talking about like impacts of climate change on agriculture. Uh, so if there are if there is a pattern of like very huge rainfall in the monsoon season which is not normal so the uh, let's say the rice crops are uh, affected because of that and that's why the cash crops the economy is affected in that way because the farmers then um, if that is the case then the farmers cannot they are unable to sell the crops and the food chain like everything is affected like the customers also do not have sufficient um, food to buy even if they are able to buy and uh, that also increases the demand in the market which increases the price of the food so there's like inflation and then again the low-income communities are the most affected because of the rise in the price of the vegetables or the food that that's one of the example and another is in the western part of the country uh, apple farming is very uh, suitable because of the uh, temperature of place called mustang which is in the western part of the country because of the climate change the production is decreased and also another aspect this is a social aspect there is no any market or there is no any transportation for them to like Uh, transport the apples and sell it so it's like economic and uh, climate wise like everything is all like uh, impacting on the same area so that that's also another example so in this way it is affected and if uh, food production is affected in in Nepal so we have to depend on other countries like let's say neighboring countries like India and again there is like uh, exchange of money values so that again, impacts the economy of the whole country. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the examples of impacts of climate change on food production.
1: That's helpful. I feel like it's it shows how it's so connected to everything. It just has this whole ripple effect on people's livelihoods and health. And yeah, thanks for that. And then, Prakita, you had sent me that article. Mm-hmm. Is that tied to the... There was a protest by farmers recently, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, there was a protest by the farmers, I think it was in
2: the month of February, uh, in Chitwan, Narangat, which is also my mom's home. (laughs) So yeah, uh, lots, like there were a group, uh, all the farmers, most of the farmers who used to sell vegetables in Chitwan, they threw vegetables on the road because they were not getting a fair price for their vegetables, for their crop production. Uh, I remember watching a video where a lady was talking about like how much it costs her to produce one vegetable and how, for how less she has to sell it in the market because she's not even getting 30% of the amount that she's investing to produce it. So it was getting uh, to a point that the farmers were so devastated that they threw all the vegetables on the road because the government's well, government is not listening to the farmers and creating one, uh, like solid price for the product. Because, uh, if you go to small shop, local shop, the, f- I was talking to my aunt and she was telling me that the spinach, like they sell it in bundles there, so in bunch, so a bunch of spinach is like hundred rupees now. I remember buying it for like twenty five rupees, so. Yeah, it's getting so expensive. Uh, It's also because of the inflation, but the people who are like like farmers, they are getting affected the most because of
1: these issues. Yeah. 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 Okay. I would love to hear, Chimmy, about some of the uh, initiatives, and you also had... Done work right with the Nepalese Youth for Climate. Is that right?
3: Yes. Okay. Youth for climate action. Okay,
1: yeah. great. Can you talk a little bit about that and and some of the actions and different things that people and organizations are doing around this?
3: So, in the looking at the history, like the past ten years, there has definitely been increase in the number of. Nonprofits and especially civil society organizations who are working in uh, the field of public health and environmental issues and climate change. Um, But we definitely have a long way to go, but again, Nepal is a progressive country, so uh, it it is getting there. And uh, talking about myself, I uh, volunteered in this non-profit organization, which was completely led by youth, uh, called Nepalese Youth for Climate Action and this is also one of the initiative which was uh, established uh, back in early 20s uh, by a group of youth uh, who are who were and who are passionate about environmental issues so this was uh, completely led by youth and we used to work with other civil society organizations like we worked with save the children because children are also very vulnerable to climate change or let's say they are also a stakeholder like they have a say in this matter because it is their future and um, uh, it is about their future and they also have to like participate or let's say they have a right to say something and do something about it so we collaborated with save the children and british council because uh, we alone were not like enough to do something about it because environmental issues is also related to social cause. So we had to collaborate uh, to make a bigger impact on the community. And also we also worked with the national government, uh, particularly Ministry of Forest and Environment. And so these are uh, such, such similar uh, nonprofits are increasing in Nepal. Uh, so that is one of the initiative and Uh, internationally also there has been a lot of progress because every year uh, now from Nepal there are like uh, certain number of representatives especially youths uh, and also the uh, representatives from the national government of Nepal who uh, who participate in this international climate conference called uh, Conference of the Parties which happens every year so Nepal has the Nepal is a party to the uh, Nepal is a party and has ratified the Paris Agreement. So Nepal has the right to participate every year. So that is one of the good thing that is happening because uh, Nepal contributes very less to the global greenhouse gas emissions, but again it is being impacted a lot. So uh, that's why like this international intervention is so much crucial to a country like Nepal. So these are some of the initiatives and also green entrepreneurship is also increasing. And since Nepal is a developing country, we have to look at both the environmental conservation uh, part, but also we have to look at the development part because there are so many youths who are unemployed and uh, unemployment is also one of the major like existing issues. So uh, taking side by side, both uh, environmental conservation and development is uh, important for developing country like Nepal so green entrepreneurship is also increasing uh, that's also one like uh, good thing that i personally feel uh, proud and when i see people coming up with this business ideas which generates money but at the same time it also has very less carbon footprint and uh, th- that is also a good initiative and others is uh, there are a lot of research going on in the field of climate change as well Uh, but again uh, overall uh, we still have a long way to go and uh, just step by step like we are like fixing the puzzles and finding the missing pieces okay what's an example of a green kind of business um green business would uh, one could be like thrifting clothes or like secondhand business which is um being popular in Nepal, but not as popular as it is in the U.S. So that is one, uh, one of the green entrepreneurship that people can take up. Um, yeah, that is one example. Another could be like bamboo straws instead of plastic and paper straws. And which is uh, which might be difficult for a country like Nepal to like invest like let's say uh, start but again bamboo straws have very very less carbon footprint than plastics and another is like plastics are so much common like single-use plastics are so much common in Nepal uh, just like most of the other countries so maybe something that could replace these plastics so those kind of business can be considered uh, green entrepreneurship.
2: Okay. I just wanted to add to her. Yeah, yeah, go
3: for it. I'm from from the
2: eastern part of Nepal, as I mentioned, so I'm from Ilam, which is also known as the queen of hills in Nepal. It's very famous for tea. So the place where I am from, plastic is banned there, and it's it's very green. We have a lot of tea gardens and everything, and I also wanted to add to the thing, like um, when you talked about thrifting, and there's also a social stigma behind thrifting in people of Nepal because not among the youths, but, like, people believe in Nepal that if you wear somebody else's clothes, you you are welcoming bad luck. Mm. So they don't usually thrift, mm-hmm. a lot of them. So behind everything, they have, like,
1: different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Another question I had when, when you were talking about the youth, activism and that that has been something on an international scale a lot of highlighting youth movements around climate change Mm -hmm. I was wondering what your thoughts are around intergenerational struggle and activism and what I mean by that is that I was in a I was listening to a talk that was being given the other day and this One of the things that came up seemed like this sort of dichotomy between younger people saying, well, I feel like the older generation feels like we just have to solve it and that it's really not their issue. But I know it, at least in the U.S., that there have been climate activists Mm -hmm. in different generations, like Mm -hmm. there's this Whole series called "Burn Wild," which is about act climate activists in the U.S. in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. And I, when I was listening to this conversation, I was thinking to myself, "We're not going to get anywhere with like the sort of infighting of like youth should be doing more like youth these days, or then youth. Well, older people didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of curious your thoughts on that, and then like how do you see that playing out in the climate movement? Mm
3: i think the first thing that we should like keep in mind and consider is like the old people right now like the people who are like let's say like 50s or 60s or 70s right now in 2030 20, 2023 20, right now like in this okay. <laughs> in this time they are uh, most probably going to die of old age but the people who are like 16 years old today or let's say 17 18 early 20s they are definitely gonna be impacted because of climate change. There is a very high probability that they, their mortality will be associated with uh, climate-induced disasters or let's say any physical or even mental health because climate change also has a lot of mental health uh, impacts. So the I think this, this fact is so much like, you know, we should let's say this like uh, print it in a very like big poster and then just remind ourselves every day that the future is dark especially for people who are teenagers in today's day Uh, and again there is definitely a like consensus that um, in today's world like the old people they do not have much like they say to the young people that it is your future, so you have to do something about it. We are not going to do something, anything about it because it is not our matter of concern, which is very, I think personally it is very wrong. That is like straight on, like a very selfish thing to, you know, because whatever all the business, all the fossil fuel industry, all the carbon footprint uh, which is generated so far, it's because of of the people who are, 50 and 60-year-old today because they worked several I mean it's not I don't want to generalize all the people who are above 50 but yes uh, in average that is the current status that's why like activists like Greta Thunberg she's she's Mm. a teenager she's not like uh, of like older age So she is like doing something and speaking up against it. So there's definitely that uh, aspect, like older people not doing much about it. So that is wrong, I would say, that is very wrong. And uh, it is like prevalent in Nepal also. Mm. Definitely I've seen that as well because in the ministry level, in the government level, there are very few youth like me or my past colleagues who are working there uh, even doing internship, it's very less. Yeah. So uh, even when we had like meetings and when we used to work together, there was definitely like uh, huge age gap. Um, the age gap should not be a matter of like concern. But then again, our the way we view the environment and the way we view our future is definitely very very different according to the age.
1: Yeah, I think the way I think about it is um, that. And I feel like Greta is always saying this, too. It's like the people who hold power, whether that's in the U.S. or you know at these big international meetings, also have a lot of wealth. And so they can also escape the um, consequences of climate uh, chaos going on. So there's also like a wealth gap there, too. Yeah. Um, not saying that all older people are wealthy, just saying that really the people that are making decisions are both older and wealthy, that yes. they're, they're making that. The one other thing, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more um, about health, is I was thinking also about how, you know, I know very well that the, the U.S. military has an enormous carbon footprint and that we're constantly been giving these individual messages about what to do for the environment recycling and growing more trees which all of which i support doing but i also think that the lens also should be on these massive corporations or things like the u.s military that are just really destroying a lot of the earth i mean the u.s has over 800 military bases around the world and and so i think too my point in saying that was you were talking about like the different food you were talking about, health you were talking about, and different, different like, unemployment and the different social things that, to me, also, like, if you're in, like, the anti-war movement, to me, you are also in the climate movement, because the anti-war movement is the climate movement, mm-hmm. meaning if you're, if you're working to, like, against U.S. militarism, mm-hmm. then, to me, that's also for the climate. Does that make sense?
3: Yes, it, it does. I think, like you mentioned, the corporations and big companies they have very much like large carbon footprint than an individual so yeah i i agree with you and doing something about it it requires so much effort especially from the national government or let's say the international platform and um, just one person speaking is really not like enough and it is effective but it takes a lot of time Mm -hmm. so maybe like leapfrogging to something very huge or let's say this uh, political system uh, should also be looked upon because climate is also a political issue so like you mentioned the power of people and the decision-making power is also there if tomorrow uh, uh, let's say any a leader of any country makes a, a decision of stopping or banning all the fossil fuels then that has a very uh, major impact on Uh, transition to renewable energy. So uh, yeah, definitely the decision-making power is always there and that's why we say like climate is a political issue.
1: I definitely agree with you. All right, let's talk a little bit about health and of course it's so intimately connected and Shami, you had talked some about the, yeah, of course, like how climate affects food and agricultural system and how that can lead to increased diseases and pests also with the food. So, Prakiti, could you talk a little bit about, uh, you have a health focus, and Mm -hmm. if you could talk about some of the pressing health and public health issues.
2: Uh, Talking about pressing health and public health issues in Nepal, like I mentioned about pollution. So because of pollution and uh, climate change too, most of the people are affected with heart diseases uh, they have cancer, lung disease, and um, stroke too. Uh, we also have higher rates of diabetes, and there is a joke amongst the people of um, Nepal that they say, like, our national disease is gastritis, <laughs> because everybody has gastritis. So, yeah. Why is that? I don't know, because <laughs> everybody's always complaining about, like,
3: I think it's yes. because of our like the eating schedule the eating like yeah. yeah it's very off and uh, maybe because of the junk food and maybe I don't know yeah
2: we eat rice two times a day <laughs> yeah people laugh when we tell that like we eat rice two times a day yeah. that's good though yeah in nice. lunch <laughs> but that's too much carbs
3: now that we think of it yeah like right? before we used to eat it right like now when we think of it it's like too much yeah. carbs in one day I mean now I eat once a month
1: but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah those are the pressing issues Okay. Of Nepal. Can you talk a little bit about the rural areas, just in general? Are you from a rural area, um, or worked in a rural
2: area? I have worked in a rural area. Like, I used to work as a field supervisor for. I worked as a field supervisor for one of the projects, Nepal Health Facilities Survey. So I had this opportunity to go to different rural areas of Nepal. So in rural areas of Nepal, um, I mean, people are pretty healthy because like, they uh, produce their own crops and they don't, they don't eat a lot of junks and stuff. But what I saw was like almost every individual in one family had diabetes. Mm. Most of them also had thyroid problem. Those kind of issues, but yeah, diabetes was
1: very prevalent. Diabetes is something that's increasing throughout the world. Has there been a lot, a switch a lot to processed food that people are eating?
2: That might as their agricultural systems
1: are struggling.
2: Yeah, maybe that might contribute to it too, but it's also hereditary. Yeah, maybe because of the processed food too, like now, and people are not so active. They're not health conscious. What I'd like to say is like most of the people are not health conscious in Nepal. They don't go to visit to hospitals because we don't have so much. We don't have health benefits like here in the US. People don't go to hospitals often to check up early. Here if you get a headache you go to the hospital and if you have problems it's diagnosed early but in Nepal always in most of the cases this late diagnosis because people are not um, cautious about their health and they don't usually visit the hospitals early unless it gets to the worst point. Is the health system there a public health system or no? We have, have public health systems, but it's the condition is not good. Okay. I mean, recently there was a protest by one of the youth organizations. There's a very growing youth organization in Nepal. It's called um, Hami Nepal. Sudan Greens, right? Yeah. So they are fighting for the pressing issues in Nepal right now for different issues. So recently they fought for I think, for a couple of months, four to five months. I might be wrong, but they were very much in the spotlight. They fought for this. There's one of this public health institute, uh, public hospital, B.P. Koirala, Gopa Camp. They call it Gopa Camp. It's in Dharan and it is one of the considered as one of the best. So because of the um, lack of good health services and corruption and everything. They did a huge protest for a very long time in Dharan itself. And in Nepal, there's a place called Maithi It's in the middle, yeah, in it's in the capital city. So when people protest about anything, they go there, Maithi Ghar Mandala. You, you know about that, yeah. right? They go there to protest if they're protesting about anything. Mm. So that is the main place where people actually go to protest, thinking that their voices will be heard. So yeah,
1: um, there are public health systems, but they're corrupt, okay. most of them. Okay. Yeah. And we, so you're in this health rights class of mm-hmm. mine, and we've been talking about a lot of different issues from privatization and how that affects health, mm-hmm. to women's rights, to looking at, Understanding the social and political understanding of disease, mm-hmm. I feel like to me you did a really great kind of explanation of I feel like the social and political understanding of climate change in Nepal. Are there any thoughts you have about the connections to our class and how you think about what's going on in Nepal with health um, or what needs to be happening? I mean, I think what needs to be
2: happening is like there should be more awareness amongst the people about thorough checkups and how it's beneficial and there should also be more public health institutions in Nepal in rural areas definitely because uh, most of the r- rural areas in Nepal they don't have access to they don't have access to transportation i mean i i remember going to one of the places where there was no electricity so we we as a group we slept in a cow shed so we had to manage our own shelter and everything so there are many places in Nepal where they don't have transportation and electricity and those kind of areas they need more like health services there are like phc's primary healthcare centers community healthcare centers so what my job was um when i worked for the Nepal health facility survey we used to go to these kind of health facilities and we had a set of questionnaires we used to take interview we asked for if they are following the rules according to the protocols. And those health centers only had health assistance. So I think those kind of health centers, they also need a doctor and a nurse because you never know what what happens. And if they're not capable to take care of the patient, you you cannot risk the life of Mm -hmm. somebody just because they live in the rural area. Yeah so their life equally has a value. So I think those kind of rural areas needs to be more focused. It all leads to corruption and politics because if you need a better health facility in a rural area, they're uh, in Nepal. Corruption plays, I think corruption plays a huge role because I belong to a police family and people, (laughs) it's so funny, people used to call my uncle just to clear the traffic exam so one phone call. its The solution to a problem is just one phone call away. Huh. It still happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. So, yeah. I mean, if somebody from that village or rural area is in the higher post of politics, they can actually can do like, something. But yeah.
1: if not... Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I'd say it's similar to here, but it just looks different mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And what about women's health and women's rights in nepal how would you describe that and some of the either wins or i know abortion is legalized yeah i mean abortion was legalized
2: in 2002 in nepal and like there are marie stoves and everything but still i think uh, the maternal mortality rate is high in nepal because um, of unsafe unsafe abortion practices because um because it's, uh, they sell the abortion pills in pharmacies and we don't need prescription to buy those kind of pills in Nepal. They they just buy it and they try to do it at home because women in Nepal, they don't... Even though it's legal, they don't go to the hospitals or those services because of the fear of the society, mm. right? So those kind of things are very prevalent. Like, they don't go... So it's to, poorer women? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's similar here, just yeah. maybe it looks different. And, and now, of course, we don't... It's not legal everywhere, but yeah. When I was uh, when I was working as a nurse,
2: I used I also I had my posting like uh, posting in one of the family planning centers in Nepal, one of the very best family planning centers in Nepal, and there there used to be women of all kinds from rich families, poor families, educated, uneducated. But what I actually saw is most of the women, they came to. I'm not talking about abortion right now, but they came to do family planning for them and they didn't want it for their husband, thinking about how it would affect his job, his life and everything and I mean, I think education plays a huge role and there should be more awareness programs. Nobody speaks freely about abortion and health rights and women's rights Mm -hmm. in Nepal. So I think there should be more conversation regarding these topics. Mm.
3: Do you have anything to add to me on that? Yeah, it's it's definitely a little taboo still in Mm -hmm. the country. And I was thinking about uh, still in Nepal, like, girl, child are not really preferred, especially Mm -hmm. in the rural areas. And also about, like, uh, when, like, especially in rural areas, when a couple gets married and they are kind of forced... To have a child within like one or two year of the marriage and the let's say like the daughter-in-law does not have any say in like you know what she prefers or when does she wants to have a kid and also there is like if there are health posts in the villages uh, the women are often like accompanied by their husband because uh, she doesn't have a vehicle or let's say she is like Uh, intimidated or shy to go alone and visit for the checkup so which is still like uh, so we can see that women are dependent on men uh, for such basic uh, things also Uh, it's not the women's fault uh, of course but the uh, society is like formed in that way so yeah like daughter-in-laws they still don't have much say in and and most of them they don't even know like you know this is something is wrong something wrong is happening to me they don't know about it so it's yeah it's a very sad situation and but it's not like it's completely opposite in the cities like in In cities it's more like liberal and girls are more like outgoing and uh because they know about it because there's like media, they mm-hmm. hear about it, they learn in school. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was something I, uh, I, was, I, I wanted to say.
1: Okay, great, Thank you. Is there I had seen there was a protest, now I can't remember what it was. It was maybe 2020. It was pretty recent, and it was around this restriction that women under 40 had to get permission to travel. Is
3: that right? Yes, that was like one time that rule came out. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if it is still prevalent, but that was that made a very huge news all over the yeah, country. I saw and that. that was very like absurd and like getting a permission from like, yeah, that was a bit like being a woman myself, that was like, oh, this is like news to us. But I think now I'm not sure if that is still it's even going. in place. Yeah, so you're both quote-unquote
1: international students Mm -hmm. as you're all lumped you know what's it like being an international student what's it what's it like being a student here in the u.s and yeah in the states and what do you wish maybe people knew is another thing combined with that question the first
2: month few months was very overwhelming because you don't know the culture you don't know the system uh even though you know english you are you just don't i just i my experience i didn't speak too much because of the fear of being judged i know nobody would do that but uh yeah i wish people like i mean i was scared to walk alone in the roads because uh in the first month when i came here I was walking around Park Avenue and I remember a man spoke to me in Spanish, thinking I'm Hispanic, <laughs> and I didn't reply back and he got so mad at me, like me and he shouted at me and <laughs> yeah that scared me so much <laughs> I still think about yeah, that... it. Yeah. Yeah. Even even on Lyft or Uber there are people who like you know try to. I mean, they try to know you, they try to ask you personal questions. Like, I remember talking about gender insensitivity in one of my other classes and I got there. But yeah, I wish people knew more about Being international student is difficult. We are trying to learn. We left our whole family, our place, everything, and came here to make a better future for us. So we're struggling and I wish people would understand
1: that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's something similar, like what Prakriti said. The first few months was quite difficult for me personally. And this is the first time I was away from home. And like spring 2022, the winter of 2022, It was the weather was not really... I was so new to the snow and the harsh weather. So I was not getting along with that. And besides that it was it was difficult and it still is difficult like living like thousands of miles away from uh, family and being an international i have always dreamt of studying in the u.s and being an international student so i am definitely living my dream right now but again it comes with responsibilities and challenges and looking back at it like i am proud of myself and so much like we have so much in ourselves yeah. that we can overcome coming to a new place um, is definitely exciting and nervous at the same time but uh, when i look back at my place my home and my country i have like realized i'm so grateful for like yeah. wherever i come from no matter what the political the social economic like whatever is happening back home Uh, we are definitely like proud of where we come from and so much like we miss the little things uh, which we don't get here like family time or let's say just like small small moments Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we still have a long way to go Uh, right (laughs) but we are i am enjoying it like no matter how difficult it is it becomes a uh, it comes to a point where no matter how difficult it is, you start enjoying it. You know, I don't know. It happens. Like even yeah. now, yeah, it's it's strange. Like challenges come up, but uh, you start realizing how like how you can overcome it and uh, go along with it. So that's that about international. There's a lot of things yeah. to being international student, yeah. but yeah. But in short, it's going good and at the end of the day we are content with ourselves so I think that's what matters yeah, yeah.
1: I would love to know just because we're talking about these heavy subjects right both health and climate and mm-hmm. there's a lot of despair to go around too much I think and although I understand it for sure and there's a lot of suffering mm-hmm. in this world Yeah, like when I when you were describing Nepal in the beginning, yeah, I was trying to imagine imagine it, it. and I'm just, of course, know even though I've never been there that it's a must be a tremendously beautiful, beautiful place. So it was sad when you were talking about the climate, and I was just kind of like thinking about like the glacier melting and just like that, you know, ripple effect. And that connects to poor health and people's just like very well-being of their lives. So I'm curious if you could tell me what gives you hope, both for your own country and for your for your own lives, for, for younger people.
2: As I mentioned about HAMI Nepal, the youth organization. That is the most on spotlight, but there are many other organizations, youth organizations that are uh, rising up, and there are so many youths who are fighting for it, for the health rights, for the climate, and most of, uh, as we talked about the eco-friendly stuff, the green, um, what was it?
3: Entrepreneurship.
2: Uh, The green Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. There are so many youth who are into this market. They are producing eco-friendly stuff, the bamboo stuff that she mentioned about, there are mostly teenagers who are doing this and the youths who are working on it they give me hope right now because they're really conscious about it and they are like promoting it in a better way uh, last time i remember looking to one of the videos from so we have this Ah, uh, pigeon thing in Nepal. Miss Nepal, right? Mm-hmm. So you you saw the video from Shinkala when she was talking about menstruation with her mom. Yeah. So menstruation is also considered as taboo in Nepal. Like in one, uh, in the rural areas of Nepal, when girls menstruate, they're sent to the cow shed. They're not allowed to stay home because they are considered unpure. So when they are when it's uh, when it's done like that, most of the girls die because most of the girls die because sometimes they are being eaten by the wild animals or sometimes they are raped and those kind of issues come up and um, youths who are talking very comfortably about menstruation and like promoting it like in social medias i think social media is the biggest tool right now because most of the older people in nepal are very much into tiktoks and facebook and all the youths are making Different kind of videos, this in, informational videos about what's going on in the country, what we should do about it. So yeah, the youths are giving me hope right now. I think they will do something. They are the pillars. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, for me, first I would say about uh, the environmental and climate issues. What gives me hope is Nepal is already like one step ahead in terms of policies especially climate and environmental policies, just the missing puzzle is the implementation and the coordination. Mm -hmm. So that definitely gives me hope because we are already in the game and uh, we are already one step ahead. Uh, Personally, what gives me hope is uh, I belong to the mountains. uh, That's my ancestral home and people there, they are very resilient and uh, they have this power to like um, step back. A step and then like uh, overcome whatever they are facing in their life so personally that that gives me hope and i like we have always been taught to uh, not give up uh, no matter what like that's how i think the nepali society works yeah being independent and uh, not giving up and facing challenges so that is something that gives me hope and uh, def- there is definitely like a Uh, green uh, light and there's definitely solutions to whatever we are facing Mm. Um, because we have come this far so again like we can definitely move forward from Mm -hmm. here on so yeah
1: Yeah, I like that I think that yeah we can't resign ourselves to sort of despair or complacency and just rise to it because what else are we going to do and I think others can give us hope you know so I want to thank you so much I really learned a lot and I hope to visit your homeland so, someday. Please, I would love, 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 love to do that because yeah, okay. it sounds like a, a very beautiful place.
2: Yeah, I think everybody should visit it.
1: Yeah, just so, not leave their trash so. at Mount yeah. Everest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of Indigo Radio. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome. welcome back. This is Anna and just another huge thank you to Prakiti and Chimmy It was so nice to sit down and talk with you both about Nepal, and I learned so much. And as we go forth on this Earth Day weekend, let's take care of the earth and take care of each other and the ecosystem, plants, animals, and keep fighting for a better world. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week. ¶¶